Good afternoon, Craps Jackpot. Uh, I hope everybody is doing well and had a good uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Apologies for the extended break here. Uh, as you know, your commissioner does not like putting on shows after having a couple of losing games in a row, which was what was going on there. Actually, uh, let me go back and look. I don't think I lost games in a row. I lost one game, and I was pretty sour about it because it was not a game I was supposed to lose. So uh, that was, of course, to Gavigan, which I tipped my hat to him. Um, that was, uh, that was a route. Actually, I lost two in a row. So I did lose, I did lose multiples in a row week, uh, week, uh, 11 and, and 12 there. So back on track, uh, week 13 here, uh, we go over some of the recaps this week and then the final week before dreams are made and hopes are broken. Um, but let's cover week 13 before we move into the coveted 14, week here and we've got some playoff implications some saving stuff there's always playoff implications like after week eight but now i mean we're staring it right down the barrel here uh we'll go over an important matchup uh, that was hans molman and pontiac bandits pontiac bandits like really needed this win and then boston scott decided to take a massive deuce on their hopes hans molman wins this one 99 to 77 in a week where there was a lot of fantasy points to be scored so just an odd ball sort of week for both of these teams. Lamar Jackson played like one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Amari Cooper also played a poor game. Mike Evans did probably exactly what you're expecting him to do. Miles um, Gaspin was beyond average. Uh, Sonny Michelle was a great play that week, especially with uh, Henderson being out. Mark Andrews didn't really do too much, but you're still kind of thrilled with the tight end landscape to get production from a tight end where it's close to 10 points. OBJ caught a touchdown pass for 28 yards, and he got two catches for 10 points. So, like, sure, totally flex-worthy. And then Miami's defense is really solid. So nine points for Miami's defense. And when you look at some of the top ones, like Buffalo playing the Patriots, and they basically did nothing on that Monday night game, it is a bit of a problem. Uh, but anyway, that's good enough to land the Jeff squared team with 99.2, just not cresting a hundred. And then on the opposite side of the ball, you had some real disappointments happening. Patrick Mahomes, not the year you expect from him. I'm taking a deep breath because it's like, I want to say nothing but good things about Patrick Mahomes and how he can just, he's got a great ceiling. Uh, he still, I think is the best quarterback in the NFL that, has a long career ahead of him. I mean, Tom Brady right now is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't think that's debatable. Uh, Christian Kirk coming in with 1.4. Seemed like a good spot where Hopkins may still be playing from behind. But Kyler Murray passed ball 15 times in that game. Uh, we all know that 1.4 is what he ends up with. Van Jefferson It's a good place. Six uh, catches and a touchdown for 41 yards. Uh, great there. Alexander Madison slotting in for the injured Dalvin Cook. Ryan's had him on his bench this whole year. I think it's a very worthwhile bench stash. Boston Scott was looking like he wasn't going to play, got called active to play. It's the Jets. It's a smash spot for a player like Boston Scott if he gets carries. He doesn't. Miles Sanders was the workhorse until he got injured. And then, uh, you know, they just they ran uh, uh, um, Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell at that point on. So Boston Scott just didn't make it into the script. Travis Kelsey was tight end number one against Denver. Even though Denver's played tight ends really well, I didn't think that they'd be able to hold him to just three catches for 27 yards. Alas, that's like the lowest I've seen him play all year, so 5.7. Uh, Stephon Diggs with under 10, windy game. You know, there wasn't a lot to be thrown around in that one. And then uh, Ellie's defense on Jacksonville. Man, I, you really hope for more points than they got here. Um, Aaron Donald threw James Robinson down to the ground, like a ragged out one point in that game. Uh, they got two fumble recoveries and two sacks and they let up just, uh, just seven points. So, uh, good enough to get them double digits with 10, not good enough to get Ryan, the victory, Boston Scott really kind of blew that, but e even then you needed more from the rest of the players. So 77, the total was 99 to 77 in favor of Hans Molman. And that puts them at a record of six and seven, which puts them in seventh place. They are. Under 100 points differential from Bone City, who is currently sitting in the sixth place. And uh, if we were to end today, that would be the team, the playoffs, not Jeff Squared. Uh, so they need to win this week, and Bone City needs to win this week and cover this, this spread as well on that. Um, all right, so moving into the next matchup here, we've got Galus's Gents, and this is a year. Now, 
it's me talking, so you're going to hear this from me. Peel has been on my ass ever since I traded Leonard Fournette. At first, it was, oh, you know, I think it's a good trade. You traded Fournette at his ceiling, and you got a lot for it. Since I traded Leonard Fournette for Mark Andrews, uh, Leonard Fournette has had just one game with under 10 points. The rest have been over 10, and he's averaging over 20 points a game. So Leonard Fournette has been phenomenal down the stretch. He's looked good out of the bye. He's getting a lot of passing work. He uh, he had a 100-yard game in week 12 and 17 touches on the ground for 44 and like 10 catches, some ridiculous thing like that. 44 fantasy points from Leonard Fournette. Don't think anyone saw it coming, but he is uh, he's like RB1 territory with all these injuries, which feels very weird to say. But this late in the season with Dalvin Cook going down, McCaffrey out, you've got uh, Derrick Henry out for the year. You get Elijah Mitchell getting bumped in and out of his lineup. And it's just it's, it's rampant everywhere. So uh, definitely very valuable. Dak Prescott with 12 points. Um, you know, it was a. New Orleans, they won this game. They just didn't need to put it up very much, and he, he was a good game manager in that one. Jalen Waddle with 18, I think, has been playing great all year. He's coming out of a, on a bye this week, though. Um, Adam Thielen with just a single catch before an injury, so just one point from him. Um, and that's that's impressive to still come up with 120 points at the end of this with uh, someone putting up just one. Antonio Gibson with 22, another great play. So Jarek McKinnon uh, is out with a concussion right now, so uh, Antonio Gibson, we're finally getting to see what – all these people like myself who drafted him as high as we did, what we were expecting him to do because he is getting the passing work with Jarek McKinnon not being involved. And this is more of what you were hoping to get production wise from him for the year. So it's good to see that from Gibson. It's good to see that for Gibson owners, TJ Hawkinson coming back in fashion with the touchdown 50 yards and four catches. I like the play from him. Detroit obviously wins that game, dedicates that to the shooting victims in uh, in Michigan, uh, which is a really good story. I mean, I know they're in our division too, and you don't necessarily like root or root against the Lions right now. I mean, that was just inspiring play. It was it was a fun game to watch them win too, especially because they did beat Minnesota. And uh, I can't. I, I mean, we're Bears fans, and it's not great, but I can't imagine being a Minnesota fan and losing to the Lions. Although I will say, on <laughs> Thanksgiving, I was really hoping they were going to lose the Lions because Matt Nagy would have been fired. That, that night and then they decided to lie to us and pretend like that story wasn't true uh anyway moving on elijah moore he's played very well uh cory davis is also out with a core uh, uh core muscle surgery for the rest of the year core core muscle injury so he had surgery he's out for the rest of the year 20.6 points from him then uh, san francisco's defense got four sacks two fumbles and one pick in that game against seattle and they lost 23 to 30 which is just baffling to me when your defense can get three turnovers in a game and you can't win. Uh, there is something wrong with the offense in Seattle. Uh, opposite side, best quarterback in football, Tom Brady. He gets 30 points, four touchdown passes, nearly 400 yards. He threw one pick in that game. It was a bad pick. It's his fault, 100%. Devontae Smith. Thought he was going to have a lot more with Minshew under center. It didn't work out that way, but, uh, you know, they, they got the run game going um, in that one. So two for 15 for him. Uh, Darnell Mooney was really expecting a lot more from him. He ends up with a five for 27. Um, Andy Dalton did not throw a pass over 20 yards. Uh, I don't blame Andy Dalton. I blame play calling. I think that entire staff has to go. We talk about this way too often on here. Um, now Andy Dalton could have certainly done something else about it. And some of the picks that he did have were awful. Definitely think two of those picks were not his fault, but he, he certainly was entitled to the two picks that he just threw right in the lineman's hands there too. So, uh, Latavius Murray with five and a half is his, his days are numbered. I think Devonta Freeman took that job from him while Murray was injured. Uh, Fair uh, with three and 26, he does get a two point conversion for over seven and a half points. Cortland Sutton, two for 15, very similar stat line as Devonta Smith. They both get three and a half points. And then Baltimore's defense ends up with just a sack. And they let Pittsburgh win that game 20 to 19. Ben Roethlisberger, it's always a bad sign when your defense can make Ben Roethlisberger look pretty good. And I was I was high on Roethlisberger coming into the season. And I could not have been more more wrong. So um, Galus wins this one 120 to 67. Uh, oddly enough, not the biggest blowout of the week. We will, uh, we will get to. Actually, it was the biggest blowout of the week, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so, uh, moving on to the next matchup of the week, um, in week 13, we had Camp Dude and Thundercats. 
I got to tell you, I was really rooting for Peel in this one for my own reasons. Uh, I would love to get second place by, but uh, Mick pulls this one out. Kirk Cousins is a, a fantastic slot in play here. Uh, Joe Burrow didn't play poorly, but Cousins beat him by two points. That, that wasn't a deciding factor in how these teams were going to perform. Tyree Kill, just 4.2. Again, a very weird game script for Kansas City to win against Denver. They did a lot uh, that didn't involve Tyreek Hill. And uh, I actually think that's the least amount of targets he's seen since. Uh, uh, so he has five targets, two catches. I should correct myself. He That's the least amount of targets he's seen since week two. Um, but that's the least amount of catches that he's had since 2019, which is kind of crazy. Um, poor Daryl Patterson, 12.6 points. And um, I think if you had asked me like what a solid flex play would have been this year, you know, I would have told you pre-draft, I would have said, I think Mike Davis will be underrated. Um, if they play him like they played him in Carolina, I think Mike Davis will do well in Atlanta. That's what I would have told you. And I would not have been more wrong. Cordell Patterson uh, still being listed as WRRB. He is very dynamic. He, he is the engine that runs that team. Can you believe in 2021, I'm saying Cordell Patterson is a top 10 running back? No, because that's not how he was classified. But the Bears used him in that position too. So I'm not surprised that he's running the football. I'm more surprised that he's as valuable to fantasy owners as he is. And to Atlanta uh, on that point. Joe Mixon with a quiet day. He didn't look great in this one. Run One rushing touchdown, 50 yards, and he lost a fumble as well. I know he's a little banged up after the game here. He's questionable to play this week. He'll play. Um, he didn't practice. He's he's sick, um, but he looked banged up too. Now, James Conner is going to be interesting the rest of the year because I think Arizona is going to go right back into using Chase Edmonds, who comes back off IR supposedly this week. We'll see if that happens. If James Conner comes back, that doesn't really kill James Conner's ceiling, uh, which has mostly been his floor anyway because he's very touchdown dependent and they're in the red zone a lot. He's got 12 touchdowns in the year through 13 weeks of football that they have 12 weeks of football that they've actually played. So James Conner is reliable to get you a touchdown this upcoming week. So you're going to look at a good solid floor with a guy like James Conner. Um, and they like him there and he's played well this year. I did not think that that was going to happen. Another thing I didn't think was going to happen was Rob Gronkowski putting up numbers like this. Would have told you at the beginning of the year, I think that he's in the top seven, but he is tight end number four going into this upcoming week against, uh, well, we'll get to those matchups in a bit, but he goes two touchdowns, 58 yards, four catches. Antonio Brown being out helps his value quite a bit because I think he fills more of a role in the center of the field than a guy like Mike Evans would do. Godwin's all over the place. Gronkowski covers that, and he's reliable because we all know the story of uh, Tom Brady working with him for quite some time. Josh Jacobs looked fantastic. He had nine catches, a rushing touchdown, 52 yards. Kenyon Drake is out with broken ankle for the rest of the year, and he is pleading for a rule change. If you watched that game, you saw that ankle injury, and you know exactly why. Uh, other side of the football, anyway, that's enough to get Mick 117.3. On the other side of the football, we've got Russell Wilson, who put up 18 points. He actually looked good in this game, I thought, all things considered. I Really would love to see the Russell Wilson of old run around a little bit more than he has been this year, but, you know, opportunity not there. And and they are officially completely out of the playoffs, so it will be interesting to see how they decide to treat that football team for the rest of the year. If, if it's me, if I'm Pete Carroll, I'm going to try to see what I have in Rashad Penny the rest of the way. They were, they've held on to him for so long. He's a first-round draft pick for them. He's just been injured and has not worked out. He's finally... Finally, when he was finally healthy a couple of weeks ago, the first play he ran, he looked explosive and good and he got injured on it. So run Rashad Penny, figure out what you have in him. See if you're going to sign him. You're going to be able to get him cheap again. Maybe not as cheap as you have him, but you might have something special like you thought all along in that. So I'd like to see that team try and do some different stuff here. So if I'm a Russell Wilson owner the rest of the way, not sure I love it, but maybe Russ just slings the ball because they don't really care anymore. Jamar Chase has not been inside the top 20 for wide receivers since week seven. Uh, he is struggling down the stretch here uh, on a couple episodes back, which, you know, at this point might've been like four or five, but it was at least two months ago. I was talking about T Higgins 
And I'll say it again. I think T Higgins is the better of the two wide receivers here. No knock on Jamar chase. Cause I think he's fantastic. And he's one of the top, you know, 10 wide receivers in the league. And he's got a long career, but like T Higgins is also fantastic. Like I was surprised the connection. You can see that Burrow was leaning more on chase because of their connection prior to, but it's like, he gets that T Higgins is the bigger target, the, the athletic target as well. Um, I think the bottom line here is Cincinnati is a fun team and you're going to watch them for a really long time. But Jamar Chase ends up just 10. Uh, Hunter Renfro, Peel was talking this guy up, uh, that he might be the real deal. Uh, he looks like somebody I would never think would be. He looks like someone I would think would be an accountant, not a football player. Um, he puts up 20 points, though, so you can count those. I love Hunter Renfro for PPR value. He gets used in the center of the field a lot. Would love to see him get more touchdowns. He's just got four in the year, but he's he's already at, at uh, 800 yards for the year. He's got 92 targets and 73 catches. Those are numbers you want to see going into week 14. Um, for a guy like Hunter Renfro for where you got him, that's definitely what you want to see. So what you don't want to see is what's going on with Saquon Barkley. The Giants have ruined him. Don't be fooled. Saquon Barkley's best days are still in front of him and not behind him. Knock on wood, don't quote me. David Johnson proved me wrong on that. Um, but it's just, it's just injuries. It's just injuries and it's just coaching. You know, they, they tried to figure stuff out by firing Garrett. Um, and they just, they can't, this isn't the year for you to, to shy. I mean, this is, I guess the year for you to shy away from Barkley, but next year I wouldn't, you're going to get him at good value for where you have him. And you know what, for putting him in like low end RB two, high end RB three territory, which is where he falls right now, thirteen point four points ain't too bad. You just need more for your draft capital on that, and I get that. Mark Ingram, uh, three point six in this game on a Thursday night game. I think when you saw Mark Ingram come up with just three and a half points on a Thursday night game, you probably already knew that your week wasn't going to go so great. Um, so uh, tight end Dawson Knox, three point four high win game. Didn't have a lot of passes in this one. He caught two for fourteen. Um, this is Jamal Williams here, you know, 17 for 71. And that's not the game that you want to get from Jamal Williams when he's taking over for Swift, because I think he's a really good play until Swift comes back. And I also don't think Swift is coming back for a couple weeks. That injury is more severe than they're leaning on to. Um, but Jamal Williams, nine points, not great. Still okay for, I guess, a flex floor, um, Philadelphia's D, which is five against the Jets, which is surprising. Even though they won that game 33-18, they just had two sacks, one pick, and um, that's all she wrote, so five points from that. Enough to get 81.54 points, and uh, that puts that puts uh, Mick at 117-81. to 81. What that does for Mick is puts him in at second place with a record of 9-4, and four, and then the next person behind him is myself at 8-5, and five, so um, we'll, we'll get into some of the implications here. Like I said, we would, but let's move on to our next matchup here which was Blood Brothers and uh, Kickers Are People Too. So congrats to myself for being the only person that would be Blood Brothers this week, which is a very rare thing had I played him. But alas, I did not. Kickers Are People Too has now lost five straight ever since Derrick Henry has lost. So has he. So Andy texted me earlier this week, and he was like, we learned something about Derrick Henry. Not only is he a fantasy monster, he's also a leader in the locker room because my team has just been so demotivated since losing Derrick Henry and uh yeah I could see it I mean it's reflected in the in the stats in the in the standings as well um 134 points 134 and a half points let's just call it what it is is not I mean that's not a low score at all you just get 32 or you know uh, 28 points basically more scored against you so about two players worth on top of the stack here uh let's go over the uh Zach and Sean's team here justin herbert i think is a great play 26.2 um i'm guessing sean knew the weather was going to be bad on a monday night game or just thought that new england's defense was actually going to stick it to him i i don't think josh allen's played up to his potential at all this year a topic for another conversation so uh yeah justin herbert definitely was like underrated i think next year he'll get drafted a lot higher he's qb3 this upcoming week too a little spoiler alert for you 41 22 in that game um yeah, they just played really well, 317 passing yards. He had a, a two-point conversion that he took in and uh, three passing touchdowns. Um, Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the league, and and I will throw down on that. 182 yards, 11 catches, one receiving touchdown. 
Uh, the guy's a monster. 35 and a half points for him. Chris Godwin also, like, I didn't think that wide receivers could get as many targets as Chris Godwin got in this game. 17 targets, 15 catches of the 17. Just kudos to that man. This is a 35, this is a 30 point game that Godwin has off this many targets and that many yards without a single touchdown. So it's baffling to me he didn't get end zone work because it's so many opportunities without being in the end zone. Um, at the same time, it's like, yeah, Chris Godwin's kind of been doing it all year long, quietly too, very quietly. Uh, last week, not as great, but like other than that, he's been having a great year, for especially for where you got him. Jonathan Taylor with one of the worst weeks he's had in a long time, and that was playing Houston, a game where they went 31 to nothing, and he put up 24 points. We don't need to talk any... I say worst game because he ran the ball 32 times, had 143 yards and two touchdowns, and only has 24 fantasy points. It's the lack of catches. He wasn't targeted at all. He fumbled in the game, so that that also cost him some fantasy points too. Um, but this is what you get with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I will say it. I think Tony Pollard is a better running back, but I also think Zeke is a better running back in terms of football, not fantasy. I think Tony Pollard is a better fantasy running back than Zeke is uh, a, a fantasy running back. I think Zeke falls in drafts next year. Um Zeke not doing so great. They won this game 27 to 17. He had two catches for two yards and he uh, rushed for 45, no touchdowns, six and a half points. Mike Gesicki, a fine play, 11 and a half points, um, seven catches for 46. Pittman, uh, this guy has been quietly getting it done all year. Um, I think the hype has, has dipped up for him a little bit more towards the latter half of the year than it did the former. Uh, 77, six catches and 33 rushing yards on top of that. Not a big thing in his repertoire to get those rushing yards every week. Tampa Bay, five sacks, and, uh, yeah, they just they stuck it to uh, Atlanta. They had five sacks and a fumble recovery, enough to get them 11 points there. The sacks are really important. Uh, that puts them at uh, 162.68, a whopping 162. Matt Stafford, 24 points. DK Metcalf, uh, 60 receiving yards on five receptions. I think Metcalf's been a massive disappointment for fantasy owners this year. The talent is is there. I think he's very talented. Um, Cooper Cup not having the best day with 26 points, which I'm dead serious when I say like he had 129 yards, eight catches, and one receiving touchdown. But like if if you are watching him play, the opportunities for Bassey there. He had 10 targets. Uh, you know he he could have broken away once as well. And it's Jacksonville. You're just a, probably hoping for over 30 selfishly, but you didn't get it. Austin Eckler is going to see an uptick in targets uh, this upcoming week. I predict that too. He's my RB1 coming up. Um, but he has one rushing touchdown and 60 yards and five catches, enough for 17.8. I think he's the most underrated of the top backs that got drafted this year. It was very high on him going into the season. Um, Elijah Mitchell with 17.4. Um, I like him a lot. I like San Francisco when they have one running back. He may not play this week. Um, and I expect, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to tell you what I suspect. Uh, Dalton Schultz, 9.3, 5 for 43. Uh, he ended up on Andy's team because the Jeffs dropped him. And so Andy drops Higby and picks up Schultz. Um, we got Hollywood Brown getting it done, 5 for 55 against Pittsburgh. I mean, 10 and a half. He was playing so well towards the beginning of the year and then kind of a total drop off towards the end. Indianapolis defense with 18 points, literally not letting them score a single thing. So there's 10, four sacks and a pick there too. So 18 points from them. And then the last matchup of week 13 that we'll recap is Jake the Snake and Bone City. Bone City needed a W, the third highest points of the week at 138. Um, but Jake the Snake just getting it done with 178.52. Focus on Brett here. Tyree Kill. So I we were talking, we were playing Halo, uh, and I think it was Friday night. And uh, how frustrating for me on the other end, because I'm looking at this. I, I didn't have anybody go yet, but I'm watching this game, and I'm seeing you've got Taysom Hill and CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb, I expect him to get 20 points. He gets 20 points. He looks good. He is good. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, again, that belongs to Justin Jefferson. I digress. Taysom Hill... Has 264 passing yards, 101 rushing yards, and two passing touchdowns, and four picks. Okay, so off the four picks, you got minus eight points. Taysom Hill ends up with 25 points. It's the most ridiculous thing. 
he rushed for 100 yards in the game and then had, you know, close to 300 yards on top of that in the year. So uh, I'm watching him just like, really? The, the fantasy, we're allowed to have like a really shitty quarterback throw this many picks and still break 20 points. And that's what happened. So I think the biggest disappointment for me, because I, I had a lot of DFS play this week with Brandon Ayuk, and I still won some money because I had Kittle too. But I played Ayuk because I thought maybe they'll split, uh, but at least it was one way or the other. I kind of hedged up on that. So Ayuk, I thought, yeah, I mean, let's get him go. Let's scheme for him so that he can get some work done. Uh, Shanahan has a grudge against Ayuk. So to me, he's a landmine the rest of the year. To me, you drop him and you let someone else pick him up. And I know that's tough to hear. And you might see one good week out of him and be like, oh, why would I do that? But Ayuk is just, they're not going to scheme for him. I don't, Shanahan has him on a shit list. For whatever reason, he does not trust Brandon Ayuk. So I think you put him in the doghouse as well. Um, Najee Harris with a pretty quiet game by his standards. They won this game. They didn't need him to produce as much, but 15 and a half for him. David Montgomery with a not quiet game on a game that the rest of the, the Bears offense could not function. 28.1 with 90 rushing yards, eight catches and a touchdown. The eight catches was pretty awesome to see. Uh, the saddest, well, one of the saddest stories to me this week is outside Kenyon Drake's nasty injury that should have never happened was Logus Thomas, or Logan Thomas. Um, one touchdown, 48 yards. From a fantasy perspective, it was great to see him produce. He got injured in this game, and he is now on IR again. So his season is effectively over. He's not a spring chicken. Um, with the injury that he does have, which is a knee injury, uh, he's going to come back next year, probably might miss time next year as well. And then he's just, he's at an age now too, where he may not be able to produce like he did before. And, uh, that's a shame because if, if healthy, he would have been a top four or five, uh, tight end for me this year. I think, I think productive, he would have been a little bit ahead of Mark Andrews for me. I think Mark Andrews at number four, um, you know, for, for my tight ends, I go Kelsey, Kittle, and then I go Waller, and then I go Andrews, but I would have put Logan Thomas up there. That's how high on him I was this year. So just sad to see that happen. Um, as you know, all, all joking aside, I love fantasy football. Even if a guy's not on my team, I, I, uh, I do genuinely love when, like, you draft a guy and he plays well like you suspected he would. Uh, and like, if I didn't think that he was, and he does like that, those are fun conversations for me to have. So I, I didn't have any any shares of Logan Thomas this year, but <clears throat> definitely respect the player going to miss him. Uh, not being, not being around and, and uh, missing uh, some exciting potential playmaking for Washington, who sorely needs some, some air threats other than McLaurin Clyde Edwards, Hilaire with just 11 points, um, 54, three catches, 28 yards, no touchdowns against Denver. They win this one. Uh, would have thought that he would have been much more involved. Uh, this is a guy that I was incredibly high on at the beginning of the year and tried to draft him in as many places as possible. And I think I only got him in one and he's sitting on my bench. Um, granted that's an eight person league that I have him in. So I have that luxury, but, uh, if you draft CEH with the injuries and just how he's being utilized in that offense, not great. I thought Kansas city would be in the red zone a lot more than they have been. So it hurts that that's not the case. Kansas city's defense with a touchdown and uh, two picks and, uh, you know, they let up uh, between 7 and 13 points, just 9. So the 17 points they walk away with in this one. Brett ends up with 138.16. Like I said, their highest points of the week. Um, absolute massive game for me. Kyler Murray throws 15 passes, still puts up 30 fantasy points. So if you're Brett on the other side, me complaining about Taysom Hill doesn't look so crazy anymore when Kyler Murray only throws about 15 times and gets 30 points. Um, Keenan Allen now in COVID, but two touchdowns, five catches for 34. Think about that day without two touchdowns. It would have been a massive disappointment. Um, just like Terry McLaurin, who does three for 22 and puts up 5.2. Here's where things start to get juicy, okay? I I'm going to come back to this this guy at the end. But I, at the very last second, I swapped out Miles Sanders um, for uh, uh, James Robinson out so I could put Miles Sanders in. I'm happy I did it. Miles Sanders is out. He'll probably go back on IR. That's my guess. They might sit him, but I think Miles Sanders is probably done from fantasy, regardless of whether he plays for the rest of the year, uh, which sucks. Very talented guy. Um, just by the time Philadelphia decided to be a running football team, he was on IR and just has not been able to get back on the field. George Kittle, that there, now there's a guy who got back on the field. 
he's not the guy who was highest on this week, but man, 181, two touchdowns, nine grabs. You can tell what they're doing without Debo Samuel. They're just funneling to George Kittle. And then Deontay Johnson, if you watch this game, he did nothing in the first half. All these points came in in the second half. He had two touchdowns, 105 yards off eight catches. Um, love Deontay Johnson strictly because of his floor, a lot of catches. Buffalo's defense against New England, I mean, that should have been a, a slugfest with a lot more happening, but all they did was get a fumble recovery on that one, so they just ended up with three points. Uh, yes, I intentionally skipped Javante Williams, so if you're even listening at this point, which I know I feel like I'm ranting a bit, anyone who's talked to me, this has been the running back that I will tell you high and low would be a league winner for anybody. Now, I thought Melvin Gordon would start to become a little bit more irrelevant, but he has actually played pretty well, so it's not going to happen. Um, but if Melvin Gordon, for whatever reason, finds himself off the field, Javante Williams will be the guy that wins you your fantasy football league because of where you drafted him, because of how much you spent on him, and because of the speculation and the upside. So it's the third running back to go in the draft. Um, I think appropriately the third running back in the draft, but my oh my, he is just a special talent and uh, really, really, really going to be looking forward to what they do with him next year. So uh, that puts me at 178.52, highest points of the week, 25 bucks coming my way. Um, yeah, moving into the matchups in the, the final week here, just because of the implications of what's going to happen, we're going to take a little bit longer on this podcast to talk about these fantasy matchups here. So, um, since we're talking about me here, let's go me, me, me again. And, uh, we got Galus and Jake, the snake here. Um, so Galus is fifth right now at seven and six. There is a possibility for him to miss the playoffs, which I know sounds very peculiar, but points are what is going to be the difference maker. He is 14-28. So the only person with a little bit less than him is Hans Molman, and that's at 14-17. Now, Hans Molman's 6-7. and seven. Galus is at 7-6. and six. If Galus loses this week and Hans Molman wins and covers the spread, he has a possibility of making the playoffs. Now, Brett is also at 6-7. and seven. If Brett loses, he'll be out if Hans Molman wins. Uh, if Brett wins, he needs to keep those points up to keep that sixth place spot. But Galus drops to the same record. Kickers are people too. Also, oddly, not locked in the playoffs at this point. Although I can pretty much tell you at this point, even with a loss, he'll go seven and seven, and that'll be enough to get him in the playoffs. I think it's just a matter of seeding because he has sixteen ninety eight in terms of points. Um, so you're looking at, you know, somebody who just is trying to figure out if they're going fourth or fifth, right? Are they going to play, are they going to play the higher seed? Or are they going to play the lower seed at that point? So, um, yeah, so this week's a big week for, for Jake, the snake as well for myself, because if, uh, and I've been, I've been talking to these guys all week about this, right? So if camper dude loses this week and I win, that puts us at a, a even record of, uh, nine and five and I'll have the points right now. I'm over a hundred points or uh, 98 points more than Mick has. So unless Mick can find a way to put up 98 points and cover that, if uh, that scenario happens where Mick loses and I win, then I will get moved into second place and I will get the buy. If Mick wins, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. He'll have the buy locked in because he's currently sitting at 9-4 and four while I'm 8-5. and five. So I need him to lose. I need to win. Uh, Blood Brothers, I'm definitely rooting for you. You're already in a buy no matter what happens at this point. Like You could lose and you'll still be in first place. There's literally no way you don't finish the season not getting first place. So uh, we should definitely congratulate them. This has been a pretty monumental year in terms of health for their team. I say that every week, but not as a knock because, like, I mean, this is a good team. You guys put this team together, and this is the production that you've gotten from this team that you've put together. The most points in fantasy with 1777.52. Not so many points against, just 1472, but it's still – Quite a bit. I mean, there are other teams that have more. There are other teams that have less. Um, all right, so let's get into this matchup with Jake the Snake and uh, Galus's Gents. So we've got Kyler Murray going against uh, the Rams here. I still have a QB2, just mostly because it's a Monday Night Football game, and um, he'll be passing the ball more. I think Hopkins will be a lot more back to health in this game too. Deontay Johnson with the Thursday night game. I've got him at WR4 against Minnesota. They have not been good against wide receivers this year. Um, I got Kyler Murray at 21 and a half. I've got um, Deontay Johnson at WR4 with 17.6. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, Minnesota's given up the second most points to fantasy uh, wide receivers or just to wide receivers in general. Uh, Terry McLaurin is my WR13 this week against Dallas. Uh, This game can kind of go anyway. So 
if you've noticed the trend for Washington, when they get behind, they throw. When they get ahead, they just run. They don't put the ball in the air pretty much at all unless it's third down. Uh, now, Javante Williams, I've currently got him at RB9. Probably going to slot back. Melvin Gordon did return to practice today. It'll be interesting to see if he plays. I'm assuming that Melvin Gordon does play. His his hip injury did not seem se- uh, severe enough. Um Aaron Jones, all right, yeah, so, I mean, given that that might happen, I'll put James Robinson in just to, to give everybody a preview of what's going to happen. And James Robinson, I have, um, he's sitting at my RB18 right now, but he's also questionable to play this game too. So could have a, a running back problem because Drake is on IR, Sanders is in a bye. Uh, do we go Ronald Jones at that point? I mean, not a lot of other options, so. Um, yeah, hopefully Javante Williams stays in there. Cause I mean, I guess I'm going to have to play him at that point. Anyway, Aaron Jones, my RB 15 against Chicago, their defense has not been as awful against a run. They just get beat down pretty good. Uh, and then obviously teams run at that point, but they're uh 13th against the, the run this year. Um, Aaron Jones, hopefully he's back to full health. We'll have to see AJ Dillon has been cutting into his workload and, uh, green Bay just coming out of a bye. George Kittle's my tight end number two against Cincinnati. As he is all year, my tight end number two, um, when healthy, uh, I think that stays the same here. Cincinnati's pretty good against tight ends. So, um, you know, they're they're like middle of the pack, but it'll be all dependent on Debo Samuel and his health. Uh, Hopkins is my number 10 this week. I expect a lot more. I think they're going to force feed him in this one. I just, I know he is going up against Jalen Ramsey. So I'm not expecting a huge game from him. They're playing in a dome. It's prime time. It's Hopkins. That is going to be a really fun game to watch. Uh, I, uh, I'm i very excited for a Monday night game to be good again. Even though this Monday night game was odd, it was fun in its own way because you don't see football games like that a lot where it's like run, run, run. I mean, Mac Jones threw the ball three times. And then uh, Tampa Bay and Buffalo, uh, they're my defense 17. It's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hanging on to that that defense for the, uh, for the playoffs here. Dak Prescott. Um, I expect him to have a big game here. Not 24 like they're predicting on Yahoo, but 20 points. He's my QB5 on Washington. Chase Claypool, um, he is uh, WR28. Cole Beasley, he's my WR40. Um, Leonard Fournette is my RB7. Buffalo is a tough defense to run on. Uh, Antonio Gibson's my RB10. Uh, Hawkinson's my tight end 5. And they're playing Denver as well, so that's a tougher matchup, but Hawkinson... Should hopefully be returning to form. Elijah Moore is my WR18. And uh, Denver is playing Detroit, so that instantly puts him in the top five defenses. I have this one at 119 to 107 in favor of Jake the Snake. Um, As we know, typically, that doesn't bode well when I predict myself to win. Uh, Let's move on to uh, Camp Dude and Blood Brothers here. Like I said, it's the one and two team going against each other at the end of the year. Who would have figured? But also, both teams have a lot to sort of, I mean, Blood Brothers literally has nothing to play for here other than pride. And hopefully most points for 25 bucks this week. Um, Josh Allen's my QB1 against Tampa Bay. Look, plainly speaking, Buffalo needs to find ways to let him run this football more. Um, Justin Jefferson against Pittsburgh. I have him as my WR3. Godwin is my 7. Zeke is my 17. Daryl Henderson is my 23. I have some health concerns, plus Arizona's defense is good. Uh, Tyler Conklin is my tight end 11. Um, T. Higgins is actually inside my top 15. He's my number 12 this week against San Francisco. Um, I I like that quite a bit here. Uh, Tampa Bay is my my defense 13 for the week here. Mick is going to probably end up playing Tennessee's defense here. That'll give him an extra six points. So this one's like, I mean, this this is going to be an interesting one. I Honestly, the, the 116 to both these teams. Uh, if he plays Kirk Cousins, which I think is the better play over Joe Burrow with pinky injury, even though it's QB 11 and 13. Uh, Cousins on a Thursday night, though, prime time. He usually sucks. Uh, uh, yeah, so I... I worry about Cousins, um, but, you know, maybe maybe that stat's just weird for an odd reason. Tyree Kill against Vegas is my five. He's going to have a massively bounce-back week, mark my words. Cordero Patterson is my RB6. The Panthers suck, that's why. Joe Mixon's my number two. You've been able to run on San Francisco this year. James Conner is my 12, and uh, that's against the Rams on a Monday night. should tell you how confident I am with him. Rob Gronkowski is my four. 
Uh, it's a Buffalo defense that you can throw the football over the middle of the field in, especially Gronk goes up and gets it. And I love Josh Jacobs moving forward with uh, Kenyon Drake being out, even though the Kenyon Drake injury, like I've said a couple of times today, absolutely sucks. But Josh Jacobs will get it done for you. Um, and he's getting a lot of work in the air. And then you throw Tennessee's defense in there, who's playing Jacksonville this week. They're number four for me. Um, give an extra seven points out of that. I've got it like 117 to 116 for Mick, and I need it to not be that, obviously, for reasons I stated previous to this. Bone City and Hans Molman. Now, this is your biggest matchup of the week, just strictly because a loss gets you out of the playoffs, like no matter what. So Bone City right now is my projected winner of this matchup uh, with a point total of 112 to 101. Lamar Jackson, when he sucks, he sucks. We're going on Hans Molman time uh, right here. Um, you know, I it, it's Cleveland. He should play well. Weather is going to be a thing, and I think they're going to run him a little bit more than they have been. So let's give him 22. Um, Mike Evans, I'm going to go 14 and a half against Buffalo. I'm not sure how conditions are going to be. It's mid-game on Sunday. So, um, you know, Sonny Michel, uh, we'll see how he holds up if he's going to be the guy or not but i got him at 28 right now so you know if he goes great good play if not not sure what you're going to do kj osborne thursday night football i i like to play um mainly because Thielen won't play in this one um but it is a short week and kj osborne's kind of having to learn that role so we'll see if he steps up that one will be interesting to see how he performs on thursday night uh, I don't think, I think Justin Jefferson is going to take that as a little spoiler alert. So Nick Chubb, RB11, we haven't really called his name in a while. Um, he's been quiet mostly over the past three weeks. Um, but if you're looking since week nine, he went 30-0, 22-5 by week. So that's why Nick Chubb has been quiet. Um, he'll be back. He'll be good. Mark Andrews tied in three against Cleveland. OBJ is my WR32, and then Green Bay is like my number one defense this week. I'm not even kidding. Like Green Bay is a good defense on top of the fact that they're playing Chicago, um, and Chicago sucks. So, um, hey, speaking of Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, QB7 for Brett, CD Lamb, WR8, Debo Samuel. Not sure if he's going to go. If he goes, you play him. If he doesn't, he's WR35 right now. Got him at like 14.75. Not sure how he's going to look coming out of the, a groin injury. And, uh, yeah, 49ers are still fighting for a playoff spot, so they're going to need him. But at the same time, I'm not sure Shanahan's going to risk it with Kittle playing like he did just then. So uh, Najee Harris, Thursday night primetime game against Minnesota. He's my RB5. I want to rank him higher. I got him at 18 points right now. Um, I think it's a safe prediction to say that he'll be inside the top five. Um, David Montgomery, I want to give him more than I can, but he's RB14 for me. Green Bay's defense is, is honestly... Um, sneaky that good that you know they've been they've been allowing the 12th to most to uh fantasy running backs and chicago runs the football pretty well it's uh it's also a rivalry game so anything could really happen um darren waller does not look like he's gonna play in this one um if he does he's in a smash spot he as of wednesday recording this at 4 2 p.m he missed practice he got hurt on thanksgiving against the cowboys um they're, they're now saying he's more day-to-day, um, but that's not what you want going into a game where you're potentially going to get eliminated from playoff contention. So, um, yeah, I mean, Foster Maru was, you know, one for 34 on three targets, and he played 85% of the snaps in this last game, which is where you were kind of hoping to, to slot in and play where Waller was. So I think... I think you can play that. I think you're nervous about playing that, though. Um, and for the record, I have him at tight end 18 this week. So slim pickings at the tight end position. CEH, RB19 for me, basically just going to get you like 12 and a half points. And uh, Kansas City going against the, the Raiders. The Raiders. So he'll get, I mean, uh, not he'll, they'll get they'll get uh, probably six points here. I don't, I don't see too much happening in that game where um, I think KC will finally look like the KC team. For some reason, I just think they're going to get right in this matchup against the Raiders because teams tend to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that matchup. I've got it 112 in favor of Brett. A lot of X factors in this one for reasons, like I said before, um, to 101. Yahoo's got it at 124 to 108. It's a, a, a bit high for me. Pontiac Bandits, 
who is, I believe, officially out of the playoffs no matter what happens at this point. Unfortunately, I tip my hat to you. That last week was brutal. I think that was the elimination one. So uh, one of the three teams that for sure is not making it to the playoffs. This is a year, Thundercats and, and Pontiac Bandits, all very good fantasy managers. No knock to any of them. Just a unlucky injury riddled year. And uh, yeah, for Gav, it's just it's been an odd year of having fantastic players just not producing like they've done in years past. Uh, fantasy is all about figuring out like who you want based on years past and then a, a few predictions to pop off uh, in a new year. You, you draft Patrick Mahomes, and he's my QB6 this week, but he has not put up QB you know numbers that you care for. Uh, he looked fantastic through the first four weeks of the year. Uh, can you imagine thinking his production was going to drop off after week six? He went eight, 15, 10, then 36, then eight, then a buy, then 13. So the second half of the year, Patrick Mahomes does not look good. He's got 12 picks, 25 touchdowns. He is ranked nine overall in fantasy though, which is crazy. This is why I'm saying he's still Patrick Mahomes. He's just not having a great Patrick Mahomes year. Um, put him at QB six though. Vegas defense is is uh, they're pretty good. They're they're pretty good. They're going to give him some looks. He'll throw a pick. Uh, Van Jefferson, you do what you got to do here. Uh, WR twenty six for me. Devonte Adams is WR two. Um, Amir Abdullah, interesting play, but I totally get it because Carolina might feature more. I don't think they got what they wanted at a Juba Duba Huba. Um, so uh, Dalvin Cook. Probably not going to go this week. He's questionable. It's a, it's a short week, but uh, Gav has Madison. So we'll just, we'll say this. Dalvin Cook will miss this game. Um, and uh, Alexander Madison will be my RB3. So I, I predict that he'll get 18 fantasy points, um, which, you know, I'd say the same thing for Cook. I, I absolutely would. I'd actually say less for Cook if he comes back because my concern over the injury and, and, um, a short week, how much they're actually going to feature him. I feel like that would be more of like a Denver 50-50 split committee back, if not more in favor of Madison. So I think Madison's the play. Um, at this point, you're playing for the 25 bucks, which is uh, where you're at. Travis Kelsey, uh, tight end number one, 18 points against Vegas. Stefan Diggs is my six. Uh, and then New Orleans is against the Jets is my number two. Other side of the football, um, Andy is not playing for a bye anymore, but he is, uh, you know, in the playoffs. He's playing for seeding at this point. You got Matt Stafford, uh, QB10. That's a tough defense in Arizona. Uh, DK Metcalf at Houston. It should be a great game. Uh, hopefully they scheme to get him going a little bit more. But like I said, I feel like if I'm if I'm the Seahawks, who's officially eliminated at this point, I'm just running the football. Um, Cooper Cup is the number one wide receiver in the week. He plays a Monday night game against Arizona. I know that we've said that's a tough defense, um, but Cooper Cup, middle of the field, 22 points. Austin Eckler is my RB1 this week. Again, Chargers going up against the Giants here uh, at 3 o'clock, and um, yeah, they 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 need him to produce if Keenan Allen's going to be out on the COVID-19 list this week, which it looks like he might be. He's vaccinated, so he has a shot at returning, but if he did have COVID, which they're not going to say, um, look at Amari Cooper. He has not played well since returning from having COVID. So, um, but again, I think Amari Cooper was not vaccinated. So, or no, he definitely wasn't because the time frame would return. Elijah Mitchell. Interesting. So, uh, I want him to play this week. If he does, he's RB eight for me, put him at 14 fantasy points. I I'm not sure it's going to happen. And then that backfield becomes really messy to me. I don't know what to do. Um, Dalton Schultz tight end, uh, six, against Washington. Washington has been known to give up some big plays to tight ends this year. Um, Hollywood Brown against Cleveland. It's really dropped back for me in terms of his fantasy production. So I've got him almost at 20. After coming out of the bye, he has not been the player that we had for the first half of the year where he was pretty consistent, getting you somewhere in the range of like 15 to 18 on average from points, which is great for where you pick him up and draft him. Uh, he's just not there. He went 29-0-13-10. And um, the targets are consistent. He missed a game against Chicago because he wasn't able to go. Um, he had 10 and then 7 targets. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, um, he's not getting over 60 yards. He hasn't since week 9. Or, I mean, he hasn't gotten, yeah, since week 9 he hasn't gotten over 60 yards. So, um, And then Seattle's defense against Houston, I mean, I feel like I should rank him higher, but uh, Houston does play well against some 
teams and uh seattle's not who they were before so yeah let's um let's put that one up there and then the uh the last match of the week uh strictly a consolation match here um is uh this is the year and thundercats both teams no playoff chances but uh will play regardless and um I, again i mean this in all sincerity like this is not this is not to mock or anything but like I respect the hell out of the fact that both these teams are are putting in players and playing. Probably don't have this, a shot at the most points just because of the way that their teams have performed. But um, this maintains the integrity of the league, which has been a big point of conversation this year, is playing your players and giving it your all. Like, I totally believe that even if you're eliminated, like, still paying attention to your team and giving it your best is all you can do. And I respect the hell out of you guys for doing that. Um especially when you feel like you don't have anything to necessarily play for at that point. So um, kudos to that. Again, Tom Brady, it's going to be a tougher week. Buffalo's defense is good, so I got him at QB8. Hate hate ranking him that low. That's uh, the lowest I think I've ranked him all year. Um, AJ Green, WR47. Uh, health is not really a concern anymore. It's usage. Monday night game, maybe you'll see him. Uh, Ahmad St. Brown is my WR42 for Jake. Uh, give him 10 points. Latavius Murray is my RB41. Give him 6 points. Uh, Alex Collins is still injured. Assuming he plays, I would put him at seven points, but I, I don't think he's going to play this one. I think you got to play somebody else that, at uh, running back here. Um, Kyle Pitts is my tight end nine. You know how disappointed I've been with his his rookie campaign. Um, you'll be able to get him a little cheaper maybe next year because of it. But uh, yeah, Cortland Sutton is a great wide receiver um, against Detroit. I actually like the play. I still have him at WR37, so he's like, fringe rb3 for me low flex uh D denver's just they just don't run they don't throw the football right now they don't trust bridgewater to get it done i would play uh darnell moody uh against green bay over playing Cortland sutton uh actually any of the wide receivers that you have in right now i would play darnell moody over any of those uh those options um and i would i would consider benching pitts for uh fryermuth here on pittsburgh um yeah, that's just my two cents here. Russell Wilson is outside of my top ten, even though it's Houston. It just doesn't—he doesn't run the football, but he'll still give you eighteen and a half points. Hunter Renfro is my WR seventeen, which is high praise. Uh, they're going up against KC. I expect that he'll get ten targets in this game and probably seven catches for eighty-six yards, somewhere along that line. Tyler Lockett is my WR fourteen. I know I have Metcalf ranked a lot lower. Um, Lockett just pops off in big plays. So he's due for one 14 and a half to him. Saquon Barkley is my W or my RB 16. So like I said before, he's just kind of floating towards that RB three territory, but 16 with all the injuries is enough against chargers. He's questionable. He'll play Alvin Kamara is healthy. He will play this game. It is jets who absolutely suck. I want to give him RB one, but with the injury, I have to put him at four in my rankings. Um, that'll be enough to get him about 15 points in this one. Dawson Knox has been awesome Knox and you can bump him up to tight end seven. Uh, even against Tampa Bay, uh, he, he gets the red zone work. He's kind of like Hunter Henry, but with more targets, um, Jamar chase, put him inside the top 10 San Francisco. It's going to be a sunny, bright, shiny day. And Jamar chase, I think has a get right game for him for fantasy managers. He's overdue. Dallas is my defense. Number six. If you're looking at this matchup, Peel ends this season on a high note, 107 to 80. There is a consolation bracket. I will, uh, if if for whatever reason Yahoo doesn't set it, because it doesn't show me until the playoffs are actually being had, I will make a consolation bracket for the four teams that don't get in it, and then we'll extend that every week for teams that get eliminated from the playoff bracket. So those continue. Um, not that it super matters at this point, but uh, let's just very quickly, like I say every week, we'll cover the power rankings. Um, rest of season, which is just one week. So we'll just go week 14 here. I've got Pontiac bandits with the best team coming up this week. Then kickers are people too. And Jake, the snake have the second best lineups this week. We've got a, a score of hundred for bandits. Remember that's our golden benchmark standard. Uh, kickers are people too. And Jake, the snake are both at 99 camper dudes at a 98 blood brothers is at a 92. Obviously if Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, uh, he's on a bye, and then Daryl Henderson is dealing with an injury with some concerns of him not playing. Puts you at a 92. Hans Molman with a 92. 
Thundercats at a 91. Galus is Gents at a 90. Bone City, 87. And then this is the year with 65. Um, this week I have the worst of all the defenses that are playing. Um, you know, if we're, if we're talking strengths here, um, you know, quarterback number two, tight end number two, flex number three, wide receiver. Pontiac Bandits is just green across the board on all these metrics here. Other than running back, who he ranks at seventh, but uh, that's because you, you're having to play Amir Abdullah. Uh, but Alexander Madison was fantastic in his debut for the year as a featured back starter because Devin Cook has not missed a game uh, from from the start of the game. So uh, that slots you up immediately. Um, it's weird. Some of these guys don't make rosters, even though they're they're great handcuffs, and then all of a sudden, I mean, you see what what happens in um, Tennessee, for example. They lose Henry, and they're like, what do we do? What do we do? And they run around like chickens with their heads cut off. But in Minnesota, uh, Zimmer sucks. So I'm not even going to go there. But um, Minnesota, Devin Cook is that feature back, nonstop three down back. And then he gets injured, and Alexander Madison is that feature three down back who plays just as well. You know, this to me is a situation similar to, if not less than, what you have in Dallas where you've got Zeke as a featured back, but Pollard starting to get work. But Pollard is the better running back. Pollard is is the better running back. I didn't believe it at the beginning of the year. I believe it at the end of the year. Yes, opinions change. Uh, if we're looking at rest of the season rankings, um, I go Blood Brothers with 100. That's the gold standard. Jake the Snake at number two. Camper Dude at three. Kickers are people two at four. With the Bandits falling to fifth. Then Bone City. Um, so we go 100, Blood Brothers, 95, Jake the Snake. Camper Dude, 93. Kickers are people too at 90. Pontiac Bandits at 89. Then we have our big drop off. Bone City 77. Galus Gents 71. This is where things get really, really messy. Hans Moment 68. Thundercat 62. And then uh, Jake uh, at this is the year with a 31. So I, I've never seen a, a ROS Fantasy Pros ranking as low as 31, but somehow, some way, Jake's team has managed to do it. Second best quarterback, literally 10th and 9th in every other metric. Um, Ramondre Stevenson could come on. Don't forget, uh, Damien Harris is a hamstring injury and, uh, I love Ramondre Stevenson. Great rookie campaign for him. Just, uh, uh, you know, huddled behind, uh, what typically tends to be a very weird Bill Belichick offense. So, um, that's the power rankings. If we're looking at, uh, what we would predict here to be the, uh, how things are going to end up next week. With wins and losses, if we're looking at first, second, third, um, I think we all kind of know how this is going to go. Blood Brothers has no chance. Um, they could go eleven and three. They could lose this week to Camper Dude. So this is where this is where things get different. Um, because of this, so when you get the buy, you have a greater percentage of being the league champ because you just get a free win basically out of it. So Blood Brothers has a 29% chance to win the whole thing because of that with a 11 and 3 record. I hope they go um 12 and 2. Uh I hope Mick goes 8 and 5. Uh and I hope uh, Jake the Snake goes uh I'm sorry, uh what's it? 9 and 5. 9 and 5. Yeah, I hope he goes 9 and 5. And I hope uh, Jake the Snake goes 9 and 5. But uh Mick has a 23% chance to be the champ uh with a 9 and 4 record um projected to be 10 and 4. Least points against on the year. Uh, not a knock, just just some good luck there. Play some good fantasy defense. Um, Jake the Snake with an 18% chance at number three. Kickers are people two uh, with a 14% chance. Galus is gents uh, with an 8% chance. Han, Hans Molman with a 4% chance. Bone City, 4% chance. Pontiac Bandits uh, cannot make it. Thundercats, and this is the year of all been eliminated from playoff contention. Um so yeah, so I I will say this, the Bone City and the Hans Molman one is the most interesting thing to me, right? Right now I give the slight advantage to Hans Molman, um, making it into the playoffs just based on what we're seeing. But again, there's a lot of X factors in the game. Most interesting match of the week. I have to point something out, uh, and this is what I'll end the podcast on this week. I'm making up for some lost time by extending it here. I know we're pressing over an hour on the podcast, so thanks for. St- tuning in as long as you have, if you have, uh, my hat is completely off to Galus's gents. 
I have absolutely never seen it in my entire fantasy career, especially during any auction draft I've ever done. And I have done plenty of them, uh, both mock drafts and live drafts. I have never seen anybody end with a budget of $63 auto draft and then make it to the playoffs. And that is likely going to happen this week. I'm knocking on wood. I am not trying to jinx you. Um, I think you've made some good moves this year to do that. You got two good running backs, but you traded positions that have been helpful to other people, specifically me as well. So uh, good moves to uh, to take that. And um, yeah, quite frankly, to have a team turn around like this with 60, that's like good on you. Maybe you just auto-draft every year and monitor your auto-draft so you can like throw a little bit of extra money on some guys you think might hit off. But um, kudos to Gayless and Jens here for putting together a campaign against most all odds here. Um, there was a couple of proposed rule changes I just want to mention in verbal form. What I'll do is I'm going to make a document, probably a spreadsheet, open everybody to add potential rule changes that they want for upcoming seasons. Two that I have to mention before I forget them. The first was presented by the Jeffs, and that is uh, uh, some points given to punt returners or kick returners who gain 25 yards. So I am 100% okay with that rule being proposed. I won't tell you how I'll vote on it until uh, we get that official. That is the first rule introduction. And then Ryan introduced uh, another rule where um, you, if you have, he saw this on Twitter, he said, if you have the most points in the regular season, you automatically make the playoffs. If you're not going to, so like let's say you're 10th because you just had like the most awful luck, but you had the most points in a 10-man league, Uh, that seems completely unfair and cruel from the fantasy gods. So we would just defy them and put you into the playoffs at like the sixth seed in that point. So I think that is interesting to vote on. Um, It is another dynamic that I am okay with adding. And then the third and probably least fun of all of the introduced introduced rules would be from, from myself. We've done a couple of things to combat this in the past. Um, unfortunately it feels like it still happens. I won't name names, but it does happen from time to time. We put a most points for a week winner to incentivize people to play their rosters. Um, unfortunately people are still putting in inactive players, which I get it. You know, sometimes the game sneak up on you on Sunday. You're not paying attention. They start. I'm going to say two things verbally right now. Uh, one, if you are in jeopardy of that, you have a family affair, or you're going to be working, whatever your excuse might be, where fantasy football is not your top priority, if you just message me, I have the ability to edit your roster. There's also a Yahoo setting that allows you to set active players. So if somebody gets inactive before the game starts, Yahoo can automatically update that with what they predict to be the next viable player. But let's say you have a hunch and you want to play somebody that's maybe not even on your team. If you tell me ahead of time who you want to drop and add, I can get that thing care of for you and make sure it's in your roster. What I do is I open up a text message with you and your opponent, and I say, so-and-so has asked me to manage their team. They're not going to be able to today, so I'm going to handle it for them and make sure this is their roster. They said if so-and-so doesn't go, they want to do this. So that way it doesn't seem like there's any speculation at all, no collusion, anything along those lines, and uh, it maintains the integrity of the league. So it's really important to me that we keep players who are inactive off rosters and active players on rosters. So I am proposing a financial penalty somewhere in the range of 5 to $10 per player that gets played that's inactive. So, for example, if you play an inactive player, you'll get a $5 fine for that week. goes towards the pot, pay off to the winners at the end of the year. Uh, if you play two inactive players in, in any given week, it's a $10 fine. Now, we can compound that and make it to be 15 if we wanted to do that. We can make it so that if you're a repeat offender, it's an increased penalty. It's something that I don't want to introduce to the league. But for whatever reason, sometimes negative impactors have more impact on fantasy owners playing an actual player over financial incentive. So I'm, I'm in favor of proposing that and then seeing how people vote on that as well. So we have three rule changes that we want to bring into next season. Um, that having been said next week, I'm going to do 
more my ceremonial tip the hat to everybody who's played a good season and then are in memoriam for those that did not make the playoffs, which you know three of the four right now off, off the bat. So we'll get uh, Sarah McLaughlin to uh, to come do a live performance for those people. We, we know we can get somebody on Cameo already. So um, that having been said, Jeff and Brett, I wish you both the best of luck. Only one may survive. I will laugh my ass off if you tie and somehow manage to tie in points as well. Uh, that would be historical. It will not happen, but just imagine. Um, everybody else who is fighting for your playoff spot in one way or another, in terms of seeding or, uh, you know, I mean, Galus, I guess you do have sort of like, uh, I mean, I think you're actually, you're, you're a lock at seven and six because with Bone City playing Hans Moman here at six and seven, one of them gets that six spot and then the other one gets out. So, uh, yeah. So congratulations to Kickers Are People Too, Jake the Snake, Camper Dude, Blood Brothers, and uh, Galus Gents, you guys are all playoff bound. It is just a matter of positioning at this point. Um, not much more to say here other than I apologize for the laps. The holidays are always kind of crazy. Uh, if you can believe it, I was also sick again at some point with the stomach flu right after Thanksgiving. Um, hope you're all well. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Please do put a penny in the old man's cap.